often when we get so busy or we're just tied up with everything in the world and we can't possibly make time for our own selves, we stop doing the things that we used to love. The biggest thing that comes to my mind is reading. Like I love reading, but I don't think I've picked up a book for my own pleasure in maybe a year, which is scary. <laughs> but I think what I would tell myself now is to just like find ways to continue creating, which are intentional. Hi guys, today on the Playground podcast, I have with me Smriti Ramachandran from Emory University. Smriti, how are you? Hi PK, I'm good. Hanging in there, just keeping myself busy. Yeah, I'm at home right now, so I'm with my parents in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. But yeah, other than that, not much to it. But what about you? How are you? I'm doing well. I'm at home too. Kind of bored because I'm studying for the MCAT and I'm doing this and it's just very keenish. What what have you been doing during the pandemic? Like I was in school got cut. So I came back like mid March after I moved out. I think I just kind of moped around for a little bit to be honest for like a week and didn't really do too much and just was like, talking to people. But after that, I started getting a handle on um, applications. So for med school, I've been working on writing essays and just filling out the portals and stuff like that. And those deadlines, or not deadlines, but those are opening up soon. So that's all rolling, which is nice to be productive. But yeah, other than that, I've been finding like remote volunteer opportunities just to kind of give back and do something with my time other than just writing applications all day. And then it's been really nice because this is the first time in years, honestly, probably since high school that I have spent so much time with my parents. So Mm -hmm. that's really nice. Is your sister with y'all or is she back in Chicago? No, sadly, she is not here. She's in Chicago. So they extended their stay-at-home orders until I think uh, early to mid-June. So she's working from home, but she's there. So where is home for you and where did you grow up? Home, this is kind of, I guess, a cliche answer, but it's something I tell people. Home is kind of wherever my parents are, um, Uh or I guess all my family. So I consider like Chicago to be a sense of home to some extent because my sister is there. Right now, like North Carolina, we live in Cary that's home for me. But where I grew up and the place that I kind of resonate most with is Sugarland, Texas. Um, All my home friends, like childhood friends are still there for the most part. And yeah, it's just kind of like the first place I think of when someone asks me about my most significant life experiences or like my childhood. What did or do your parents do for a living? So it's kind of a funny question because I get this a lot and I kind of just spew out a bunch of things about my dad because my sister and I kind of joke around that not 100% sure what he does anymore because he has (laughs) and I'm sure a lot of people say things like that because he has a chemical engineering background and then he got a MBA at LSU and then he got a master's of finance at U of H Mm -hmm. so he started from like an engineering background and then morphed into business and now is like a financial director of sorts that's his interests at least and then my mom she has a a degree in early childhood development and specialization from India but when she came here she got a job but then when my sister was born and then I was coming a few years later she kind of reoriented her life around just raising us and making sure we we were healthy and so she didn't work until it was probably when I got to high school around that time Uh, she took a job as a dance teacher at Anjali Center which is where I learned post 
dance graduation, so high school onwards, that's where I did a lot of my dance education. So she taught beginners and she loved it and she was really good at it. So yeah, those, yeah, those two things. So it's interesting because it's a very like STEM versus art. What were you curious about as a child? Yeah, I love this question because I don't think I've ever been asked this in my life, but I was curious about a lot of things as most children are, I would Mm -hmm. suspect. But I would say I just loved creating stuff and stuff is just such a vague term, but I just loved using my hands to like build things or draw things or paint things. Like it's just, I really, really enjoyed putting in like 200% into school projects that were very artistic because our school district was very like project oriented. I remember this time, I was thinking about this the other day and I kind of laughed about it, but I remember this time in fifth grade, I don't remember what exactly the assignment was, but something about like write a journal as if you were like on that trip in that moment or something like that. (laughs) At least that's what I took of it. And I wrote about like how I was in like Paris and then somewhere else in France. And I remember creating my little like book with like paper inside and writing like it was a journal, which I don't think that was part of the assignment. I think it was to just like write it in a notebook. And I remember this really distinct thing where I colored in this little blob on the margin of the paper with orange. And then I drew an arrow and I wrote, oops, I spilled orange juice during my breakfast at this (laughs) restaurant in Paris. And just little things like that, like tying the loose ends and making things super creative was something that I loved doing. Where did you think you got that creativity from? Were you just naturally creative? Like, did your mom or dad instill it in you? Or, and what was like going in your mind when you're going through that creative process of like creating these different things? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I'm not sure, to be honest. I think it's kind of a mix of everything you said. Because like my sister, for instance, she's creative completely in her own way. Like she's the best writer I've ever met in my life. Like the way she writes, it's just kind of, fluid it's it's effortless but for me like my creativity comes in different ways I do think both of us got a lot of it from our parents again like very honestly my dad is so creative when it comes to things like logic and puzzles and thinking outside of the box when it comes to like math and he he adds creativity to stem things but my mom I think is just like a just fully creative person and it's not just because she's a dancer and like dances in her blood and things like that I think it's just the Mm -hmm. way that she thinks and sees people it's something that we kind of just grew up watching so it just kind of flew into our minds and our abilities but then also I think it's very much environment not to be like you know a whole environment nature versus nurture person but (laughs) I think a lot of it is the environment that kind of reinforces your creativity as a child and we went to a great public school system in Sugarland, Fort Bend ISD. Um, and I think just, again, so much of it was project-oriented, like collaboration with other people, creativity, things like that. And I think through that, I just found an outlet to kind of nurture my own creativity. And then for the other part of your question about like my thought process when I do creative things, at least back then. I'm not really sure I had a thought process. That's the best part of it. I think growing up elementary-ish, middle-ish school type of age, I think that was the biggest time in my life where I just wasn't restricted and I didn't feel like I had to be proper or do things a certain way. And it was really freeing, which obviously I didn't know in the moment because now I do everything by a planner and I'm very detail-oriented and organized, which which is great for me right now. 
but I think if I could think about a time in my life where I just like really let loose and was able to be creative on the spot, it was in that time frame. So yeah, I didn't really have a creative process. I just kind of found something I liked in my mind and did it. How do you think you're like bringing the creativity right now? Because I know like with SNLA, with your bulletin boards, your bulletin boards are always like top notch, very creative. So this is there a thought process now when you do like the all labels yeah I love that question funnily enough I I think my go-to like professional answer would be oh I would think about what the residents need and morph it but very honestly I just kind of thought of some idea that I wanted to do like something I really wanted to paint or draw or cut out or something like that and I would just do it and find a way to fit in the res life stuff. Very, like, I don't know if that's the way to do it, but it ended up working every time. But I think I just, I really love art. And again, I think what I felt as a kid to now with the whole loving to create things with my own hands is just fully still there. So when I, for example, cause we're talking about bulletin boards, mm-hmm. when I sat and created a bulletin board, I would kind of think about like, what am I interested in? I remember my junior year, I was an RA and I made my favorite bulletin board yet. And it was a dancer bulletin board. And I don't know if you, you saw it or remember, but basically what I did was I was doing something super intensive for my dance minor at the time, or I was taking like, like tons of dance classes and all this sort of stuff. So I, my whole life was about movement. And I was kind of just like, you know, it'd be awesome if I just did that for my bulletin board because it's easy and it comes naturally to me. So then I just cut out silhouettes of dancers and then I was like, okay, what do I do with this? And then it just kind of fell into place. And I was like, let me just make a stage on the bulletin board. And I was like, let me make lights. Okay, now I have this beautiful thing on the board, but I, have, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> Which is funny because, again, normally I'm so by the book and detailed Mm -hmm. and organized. But when it comes to doing things like that, it just like comes out, builds up and somehow works out. So when everything was on the bulletin board, I was like, okay, maybe I can make this dance related. And then I found ways to kind of just connect it back to what my actual task was supposed to be, which is something for the residents. So I was like, oh, something political because we're in this building about social justice. And then just kind of fit all together. And that's really how my creative process goes. What do you want to do in the future? Like what's your ideal job? So my dream job is to be a developmental pediatrician. And the way that it kind of just morphed into that path is because of a lot of factors, but I actually wrote about this or I'm writing about this in my apps in some way, but Gigi's Playhouse Down Syndrome Achievement Center, which you also volunteer at, it's kind of the place that really created this whole path for me. I think what I realized, and I'll say this as a preface, like obviously my mind might change when I actually start studying for medical, or start studying as a medical student. And, you know, I'm very open to different things because I'm also really interested in women's health, like maybe even being an OBGYN or something like that. But right now, I think what's really kind of shaped my mindset is, one, I love working with kids because I don't really see it as working with them. I see it as kind of just being with them. I really don't like saying working with people uh, unless I have to like write it professionally because it's just like you're not working. You're just existing and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, affirming their experience and just being with them. But anyways, I really like being with kids because I think it's refreshing and I think There's just like so much knowledge that you gain as you grow older and get more experiences. And I have a lot more knowledge right now than I did 10, 15 years ago. But being able to kind of translate some sort of information to a kid who's 
very adaptable and very like unbound by things is just like a certain special type of relationship that someone can have. So I see myself really being a doctor for kids and then the developmental peds part. So we're again, that goes back to Gigi's Playhouse. And I just think you can be so creative in that job. And obviously like, I don't know the full extent of it because I'm not in the position or training for the position right now. But like, just as an example, I remember this one time I was tutoring someone at Gigi's and he just was not really understanding what I was saying. And I, I kept saying like triangle, circle, or one, two, three. And we were working on patterns and number recognition and just wasn't working. <laughs> and he was just running around all over the place. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, what am I doing? I just, and I kept saying, I, like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this wrong? And then I kind of just sat in the corner of the big room and just watched him like, you know, throw everything and run around and laugh and turn off the lights. And I was like, okay, something has to be happening here. And then he did this great thing where he went to the mirror in the room and he kept like whispering to his own reflection. And I laughed because I was like, wow, his best friend is obviously his reflection because who else knows him better, right? And every time I talked and I was like, are you, are you looking or I said something? He would look at me, but through the mirror, he would look at my reflection, mm. not like actually me. And then I got closer to him and I got on his level and I kept talking to him, but he wouldn't look at me. He would look at my mouth and the reflection. And then he would like look at his mouth and go like pss, 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 again to his own reflection. And then I was like, okay, like he's obsessed with this mirror. Let's do something with it. So I got an extra marker. I started writing all over the mirror, like right where his mouth was. And I kept saying like triangle and I would draw a triangle and point to it. I would say like number one and I would draw one right where his like eye, eye level was. And then I noticed that he kept looking at my mouth and his mouth. And then part of me was just like, you know, what would make sense is that he's trying to see the movement of our mouths and how like words are formed. So I was just like, okay, I pointed to the reflection where I drew the like number one. Mm -hmm. And then I pointed to my mouth, like on the mirror as the reflection. And then I kept repeating it. And I was like, one, and pointed to my mouth, one, pointed to my mouth. And then I did the same thing to him, like obviously in a very sing-songy voice. So, cause he was like <laughs> four at the time, five at the time. And then he finally was just like, what? which was so that was like a success for the day because he was trying to say the number one as well he's on the side of nonverbal, but in that moment I was like wow doing this like as a pediatrician or doing this as my job something of the sort where I'm coming up with some sort of treatment solution to you know help a person even talk or help a person behave or just like making them see something but I learned through a different way is just the most rewarding thing because again kids with autism with related disorders, they just they just think a different way, but they're no less capable or intelligent as, as anyone else, right? You know, it almost expands your own mindset to be able to think like them or see how they're thinking. So again, a long-winded answer to your question, but that's truly where my heart is at the moment. When you first mentioned your childhood, you said that you were very carefree and like you weren't restricted as a child. You weren't like organized. And part of me wants to say that becoming a developmental pediatrician helps you relive that part of you when you were a child, being able to find creative methods to teach and like create a new world for your patients. Do you think there's a connection between that, wanting to be more like not following the rules and like being very creative as a job? Is that part of the reason why it's, you're attracted? Yeah, I think that's a very accurate thing to say. Yeah, because I think regardless of what I end up doing, even if I, you know, one day want to 
do something after being a developmental pediatrician or whatever. I'm just going to constantly seek a profession where I can just kind of do something with my own hands and build something and create because that's that's like a key theme in my life that's never gone away. So what did you study at Emory University and how do you think like you integrated this like building and creative thing at an undergraduate institution if you did? Yeah, so this is kind of no surprise, but I majored in human health and then I minored in dance and movement studies. And I say it's not really a surprise because I think right there, even with like what I chose to study at Emory makes sense with all the things I just said about creativity and just constructing with my own body. So again, I'm a dancer. I've been dancing since I was five, I think, four, four or five. My background is Bharatanatyam, which is Indian classical dance. But in high school, I got really interested in like modern, contemporary, and then college. I entered college thinking I would be a psych major and a Spanish minor. And then I woke up one day and this sounds like something not accurate, but it's actually what happened. I kind of just woke up one day and I had this huge inspiration and I, I looked into like the major and the minor for human health and dance. And I texted my mom, I remember, both my parents. And I was like, I want to major in human health and minor in dance. And they were like, go for it. And it just came out of nowhere. I, I don't even think I had taken enough classes to be able to say that because it was November of my freshman year, but I stuck with it and it worked. And I think just so much of it was in both the major and the minor, both fields, There's just so much freedom to kind of explore and create what I wanted to create, which is interesting because it wasn't really creativity in like the normal, I'm building something with my hands or I'm doing something like that, like when I was a kid, but it's more like ideas wise uh, for my human health major, because it was considered more interdisciplinary. I took classes that I was genuinely interested in that weren't necessarily all science or not all psychology, but they were kind of just like, like, what does it mean to, you know, explore society with people that are really old or people that are really like, like disabled or something like that? Things that I was very interested in. And then the dance aspect just kind of tied everything together because I think I understood health and people and even medicine, I'd say, to a, a different degree um, through my minor, which is a big statement to make. And I recognize that. But I think I chose to make the minor my own in the sense that I didn't do like Emory Dance Company or, you know, audition for those types of things. I kind of kept the minor more of a private thing for me that I could use to kind of just help myself grow as a person and an aspiring physician. And yeah, I think both things actually really complemented each other really well. When you describe like that waking up one day and deciding to do human health and dance, I saw a connection like when you describe your creative process when creating a bulletin board it comes from inside and then you try to make it work out like the GERs you try to make it work out like the resident requirements and like everything that as I'd say this I think I think this is fair to say that everything that like works out comes from inside and it's just like inside of you that you bring out to the world and then you try to create it apply it so it works with the world you'll end the environment you'll end so I think that that's beautiful and I I want to explore that mole in your childhood. So if you could travel back in time and if, if you could meet younger Smriti, mm-hmm. what would younger Smriti say to you? I, like what advice would she give you? I would say to myself now, like little Smriti would say right now, to not let, you know, life get in the way of creating. Because mm-hmm. I think this isn't, I don't think this is just specific to me. I think it's a very universal thing, but often when we get so busy 
or we're just tied up with everything in the world and we can't possibly make time for our own selves, we stop doing the things that we used to love. The biggest thing that comes to my mind is reading. Like I love reading, but I don't think I've picked up a book for my own pleasure in maybe a year, which is scary. (laughs) But I think what I would tell myself now is to just like find ways to continue creating, which are intentional. Because I think a lot of times right now, like when I'm working on applications or volunteering and things like that, the creativity comes out because I'm doing very set planned things. But I don't account for, let me spend an hour like doing something creative. Like I don't do that anymore. And I used to, a lot of you used to paint like at two hours every day, one summer. I used to like write every single morning for 40 minutes. And that stuff kind of has just escaped me because I've let it escape me, which is, I mean, it's a very hard thing to be disciplined about and do it because it's interesting. You have to be disciplined about creativity sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think my past self would tell myself that now. With that creativity and like trying to find more time for it, we'll currently like, we have so much time right now in the current pandemic. How have you used this time to like be creative? Have you started reading new books? Have you started painting, drawing, like, have you done anything for yourself to like keep that inner child alive? Yes, actually I have. And I'm, I love this because <laughs> it's kind of a dorky moment for me. <laughs> so I, again, am getting really busy because of just the app season and everything. But something that I kind of picked up out of nowhere is just a love for interior decorating. <laughs> interior design it's really funny right when I came back in March I kind of again didn't really do too much for about a week or something and then when April hit out of nowhere I started tackling different rooms of this house and just as a preface we live in a townhouse we don't live in like a full home because we moved to carry like a year and a half or so ago so it's still kind of like an intermediate phase but despite that I I don't know why, but I kind of was just like, oh my gosh, like so much can be, there's so much potential in this house. (laughs) And it just kind of came out of nowhere. I think it's because I don't have my own, or I didn't have my own room here. Mm -hmm. But when I came in March, April, I like moved all my stuff into the guest room, quote unquote. But then my dad and my mom were like, make it your own. Like you're here now. So I was like, okay. And I made it my own and I kind of transformed it. And I put lavender everywhere. I put flowers everywhere. Just like very smirthy things, like quotes and books and all this sort of stuff. And I think I spent like six hours nonstop just doing this for like a day. And I just kind of was like, wow, this is something that I love doing. Like if I had a dream, like alter universe job, it would be to be an interior designer. (laughs) And then um, something that I did like a few weeks later, was I started clearing out the office space because our office or study room was just so full of all the boxes, like miscellaneous stuff from the move. Like you couldn't even see the ground because it was covered in boxes. And I was just like, okay, no, we're not doing this. So I moved all the boxes out into plain sight so my parents would have to deal with it. And I got a few plants. I got like a new lamp, just like little tiny things. It's like completely transformed and it's kind of just like my happy place. Every morning I get up and I eat a great breakfast and I like take my journal and I'm here. But anyways, like I think it's funny because the creative outlet kind of came out of nowhere again. And I was like, I just want to do this. And I did it and it just fell into place. Yeah, that seems to be a theme now that we're talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) But other than that, I think a lot of it is just 
things I've been doing other than that is just talking to people as much as I can because I really like being social and I need to continue finding ways to do that now that I'm at home and I think that's like a challenge for everybody and yeah things like that. I really like the team that's been throughout this conversation that it's already inside of you and it just yeah. like comes out and I think that's true for anyone who's like living like with their inner child we're nearing the end of the podcast and I wanted to just ask a couple of more questions uh what is your favorite childhood movie or book and why I had this realization I think a few months ago so it's mm-hmm. funny that you ask because I think like my whole life well whole adult life quote unquote <laughs> I always defaulted to Harry Potter Harry Potter which is 100% true I loved Harry Potter and I still do But I think when I was truly like at my peak of creativity and in my childhood, like elementary school, uh, it was second grade specifically, I was in love with the author Roald Dahl. And he, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember a specific book, The Big Friendly Giant. It's called The BFG. The book, I think just was the best book. It's arguably one of the best books I've still ever read. I loved that book. Like, I can't even tell you, like when you're obsessed with something mm-hmm. as a kid and it's like an object or whatever, like you just can't stop thinking about it. And I still feel like that about that book. It's so funny. I think the author is amazing, but also one of my favorite books slash movies as a kid was Matilda. There was just something about how magical it was, but also kind of relatable because she was super young. It was an older movie. It wasn't so complex. It was just like reading and fun and magic and I it's yeah I love those one last question I have for you is like what is your favorite movement or what is your favorite form of movement and why is that your like favorite form of movement like the thing that like makes you feel free and makes you feel like careless and like just like you're doing it for fun purely for fun so I think like if I were to select one movement that I could do for the rest of my life it would be some sort of like turn Um, or like turn with a leap, if that makes any sense, just because I really like being in the air and I like being, I like doing things very quickly. I'm a quick mover. I don't like doing things super slow. So yeah, even like in free, in my free time, or if I'm like creating a portion of a piece, like choreographing anything, I'll always try to incorporate like constant turns, like constant leaps, just constantly feeling like air around me. Um, I think it's really freeing actually. Well, thank you, Smithy, for being on this podcast with me and for our listeners if you like this podcast episode and want to hear more please follow us on spotify and rate and subscribe to us on apple podcasts and well thank you and yeah we'll see you guys next time